Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. I wanted to begin by sharing with you an exciting announcement. You may have heard me talking about Postpartum Support International, or PSI, before. They're a wonderful organization that provides support to women who are going through challenging pregnancies, fertility journeys, and postpartum. And they just launched a new helpline, which is available for those who need that kind of information, support, and resources. I'll provide the link in the show notes page, but the number here for you is 1-800-944-4773, which is 1-800-944-4PPD. This episode, I want to talk about asking for help. In medicine, all appointments have what's called a chief complaint or a presenting problem. Whenever you go to your doctor's office and they're writing a note, at the top, they write what your chief complaint or presenting problem is. What I found is the most common presenting problem for the patients that come to see me is a feeling of being overwhelmed. That's a word that I hear so often on a daily basis from so many of my patients. And there's many different ways to approach feeling overwhelmed. There's psychological approaches. So for example, working on the cognitions and the thoughts that perpetuate that feeling of being overwhelmed. But then there's the practical decreasing the to-dos you have by asking for help. And that's what I want to focus on today. It sounds simple, but asking for help is actually one of the hardest tasks for many women. Just last week, I actually spoke with three different patients about how to do this. And as I was walking my dog the other day, I actually had an encounter with someone that really solidified my reason for using this topic as today's episode. I was walking my dog. It was like any other day. And as we were walking along, there was a woman who was coming up behind us. And she asked me to move a little bit to my left. And she actually also asked for some additional space because she's afraid of dogs. It was the simplest thing. And I really only needed to pause for half a second. And she was able to get what she needed, which is space in order to pass and continue along her way. And neither one of us initially thought anything of it. But as I was thinking about it later, I was really admiring the way that that woman was able to assert what she needed very successfully and so quickly get what she needed. There's so many other ways that could have happened. For example, she could have second-guessed herself. She could have wondered, okay, well, what is this person with their dog going to think of me? Or is there a different way I could go around? Or what what can I do instead of asking for help? She didn't do any of those things. Now, she may have thought some of those things, but what ended up happening is she just voiced her needs and her deeds were very easily accommodated and she got the help that she needed to continue on her day. It was such a powerful moment that literally took only about three seconds. Based on that encounter and the various patients that I worked with last week as I was preparing this podcast that have been struggling to ask for help, I decided that this would be a really important topic to cover. This episode is going to be practical. We're going to address the challenge of asking for help 
using some concepts from traditional psychological frameworks, specifically cognitive and behavioral therapy. As a reminder, CBT focuses on what's called the cognitive triangle. That is the relationship between our emotions and feelings, our thoughts and cognitions, and our actions and behaviors, and the fact that each of those three impact the others. Let's begin with the first question, which is, why is it so hard to ask for help? I think that there's three specific layers. The first is from the evolutionary or almost physiological perspective. When we were hunters and gatherers, asking for help and showing vulnerability could have actually been quite detrimental to our survival. So it's not ingrained in us to do so. The second level is from the societal level. We have a lot of societal expectations. There's a lot of concepts in today's world. For example, the quote-unquote self-made man or the woman who has it all or does it all. There's a lot of pressure created by society around us in order to be independent and not ask for help. And then there's each individual's background. Maybe how you grew up. Maybe you grew up with parents who emphasized that you shouldn't ask for help. Or maybe they actually actively discouraged it in how they raised you. It could have been indirect. For example, getting mad when you asked for help. And so that teaches a child that asking for help is not a good thing to do. So now that we know why it's hard to ask for help, let's focus on the how. Now that you know why it might be hard, it's important to think about what are some practical ways to overcome the obstacles that lead to not asking for help. I like to consider these thought obstacles, the different kinds of thoughts and cognitions that we have that get in the way of asking for help. And let's go over six of them today, and I can help you think about ways to overcome those thought obstacles. The first is an underlying core belief. This goes back to that CBT concept, where core beliefs influence how we behave and how we go about our lives. So a core belief that asking for help means that there's something wrong with me or that I'm inadequate. When I hear that from patients, I really like to challenge that core belief, challenge that assumption. We now know where it comes from. Perhaps it came from your family or from societal expectations. And it can be helpful to sometimes think about what happens to your opinion of a friend when they ask for help. Do you think of them as something wrong with them or that they're inadequate? Most likely you don't. And it's interesting to think about the difference that you might have in expectations for yourself versus for a loved one. And is there a way to shift those so that the way that you think about yourself and your expectations from yourself are similar to those that you have for loved ones, that there's nothing wrong with you and that you're absolutely adequate, more than adequate, in fact, when asking for help. The second thought obstacle to overcome is the worry that the person that you would be asking for help from is perhaps already overburdened. And so you might feel guilty asking them. For example, I had a patient the other day and she was home throughout the day caring for her child. And when her partner came home from work, they were actually quite tired and she was very hesitant to consider asking them to help with caring for the child because she really thought that they were tired and she didn't want to burden them. There's two things that are happening here. The first is that what you're doing actually is taking over 
for that individual's autonomy, for their ability to decide for themselves how they want to proceed. It's that other person whom you're asking for help. It's their responsibility to decide whether or not they have the capacity to provide you with the help that is being requested. It's not your responsibility to do that. And when you take that over, you're taking over and removing some of their own autonomy, some of their own responsibility to make a decision about what they are and aren't capable of. The other thing that I like to think about in this particular context is how do you feel when you help a loved one? Oftentimes, we actually get a positive emotional benefit. It's a very also evolutionary kind of response because it makes sense that we would get a positive benefit and a boost from an emotional perspective when we help a loved one. It really helps propagate our genetic line from an evolutionary perspective. And so when we do help a loved one, we do get that positive dopamine release. We get a little bit of a a boost and maybe your loved one would like the opportunity for that boost themselves. The third core belief that sometimes prevents us from getting the help we need for asking for the help that we need is the belief that strong, independent women don't ask for help. And that comes from those societal expectations that we've talked about before. And I like to challenge that as well. What if the opposite is actually true? In fact, how many women who are CEOs do you know that do everything themselves rather than delegating? Maybe the true sign of strength and independence is actually asking for help. Let's flip that core belief on its head and challenge it. The fourth core belief is that asking for help means actually surrendering control. Because when you ask for help, you're asking for someone to do something and it might not be done your way. A really common but very simple example of this is perhaps when you ask your partner or loved one to help with a chore that you normally tend to do. Let's just say loading the dishwasher. And they might do it in a completely backwards and different way. So part of asking for help means surrendering that control. It means that it's not going to be done the way that you want it done. And that's okay because there's most likely more than one way to do it. And each individual has their own particular way of doing it. And it's surrendering that control and being okay with the fact that it might not be done your way. Number five is overcoming the fear of being vulnerable to rejection. What if the person you're asking for help declines to help you? What does that mean about you? Or what does that mean about them? And that's a really important thing to take a look at because oftentimes when we're afraid of that kind of rejection and being vulnerable in that way, we worry that when they decline, it's because they think something about you. They think that you're all of those things that you're thinking about yourself. You're sort of projecting your own core beliefs about what it means to ask for help on this other person. And what if it really has nothing to do with you? What if the reason that they're declining is not because they're rejecting you, but because they have something else going on in their world that prevents them from helping? And number six is this idea of comparisons. And as women, we do this so much where we compare ourselves to someone else and we say, oh, well, they're doing this. We should be able to as well. I spoke with one patient who often compares herself. She's someone who is a mother of two kids. She compares herself to women who have multiple children, four, six, or 10, and uses that comparison to judge herself in a very negative way that she should be able to do more because she 
quote-unquote only has two children. And that way of thinking, those kinds of comparisons do not serve us. They don't move us forward towards accomplishing our goal of asking for help. So whenever we're making these kinds of comparisons, whether it's to other moms, whether it's to celebrities, whether it's to any kind of other individual, it's important to recognize that we really don't know nearly enough about that other person to compare. And that comparison, even if we did, is likely not going to be helping us. So what if we drop that comparison? What if we think about ourselves a little bit more in isolation as opposed to in comparison to other individuals? And if we drop that comparison, it might make it a lot easier to think about the current situation and to decide, hey, maybe it's actually reasonable to ask for help. So now we've talked about why it's so challenging to ask for help. And we've gone over six different kinds of thought obstacles that may be getting in your way. And using cognitive and behavioral strategies, we can overcome them and be able to ask for help. There may be other thoughts, core beliefs that you have that make it challenging for asking for help. And I would encourage you to challenge each and every one of those in order to be able to ask for the help that you need so that you can really thrive in your life. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.